Greetings program. Welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 22. I'm your host, Duncan Shields. and With me today is my profoundly intelligent and imaginative guest co-host, Andrew Lindy. Welcome, and Hello. I, that's a great opening. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think that opening really highlights uh, a thing that I love about Tron, which is their their use of like um specialized language like their their little you know their programs and like users are like gods to them i also like the attempts that the program used to have like computer slang <laughs> yeah to each other like that one uh that guy a few minutes ago crom in the cell he's like talking about the mcp and he's like who does he calculate he is <laughs> like 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 yeah like I don't know if that's going to catch on, but yeah, it's funny. Why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? Uh, How's it going? So I I also host uh, a Movies by Minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I used to host, uh, we, we went through all the minutes of Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 film. Uh, Outstanding. Wow. Yeah, which uh, my co-host and I love that movie. It's, it's, a, it's really bizarre and it's... It's not really a Mario that we recognize today. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a there's a lot of good in that movie and I could watch it at at any moment. I I love watching that movie because there's so much in it that is enjoyable. Um and who but is that he, was a super, who's who is the actor the main villain there? That was McDowell, one of the McDowell. Oh no, it was a uh, Dennis Hopper. Oh, it was Dennis Hopper. I always think it's uh it's uh, McDowell. Yeah. Was he the bad guy? He's he's oh, in he Tank the bad Girl. Guy. Yeah. Tank yeah, because I because I get the aesthetic of Tank Girl and Mario Brothers were very and similar. And I love Tank yeah. Girl as well. Like they're just there's something about that kind of post apocalyptic uh, greediness, but with like color to it. It's it's not all you know um, gray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it makes it interesting. Um, but I currently with the same co-host uh, Emily Schmemely and I. Uh, host uh dunstan checks men where we break <laughs> down the 1996 ape film dunstan checks in minute by minute and we we have a gimmick where we pair each of those minutes with another feature film that reminds us of the minute because honestly dunstan checks in sucks uh and we <laughs> like to talk about literally anything else while we're talking about that movie nice yeah, that seems like a lot to put yourself through. This seems to put yourself through. That's a good way to watch a movie that you don't actually. <laughs> yeah, like, it's though. it's weird the kind of uh, movies that remind us of you know the minutes uh, within a, an absolutely horrid movie. We can be reminded of you know we recently paired a minute with um, uh, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. Oh, cool! Which is a great film. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's. And and, uh, and uh, Yojimbo was another one that we recently paired a minute with. It's just that's wild. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. That's a good way to do it. There's somebody out there that's uh, hate watching Mandy. Yeah, I heard about that. And that... I haven't I haven't listened to any of the minutes, but that seems like to watch a movie that you that you that you're not just indifferent to, but that you actively mm. detest. That seems like a real uh, self punishment trial to put you through because these things oh, take a long yeah. time. Yeah, and there's uh, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into uh, making a show like this. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> they really have to, you know, uh, cut up the minutes of the movie that they absolutely hate. Like that just feels. <laughs> I would never be able to do that. 
No, that seems like a, a, a real and, test of and, patience. You have to have a bottom as and well. And I think, isn't Mandy like over two hours long? At least with it's, Dunstan Checks In, uh, I remembered liking it in childhood. That's why we kind of agreed to do it. And then it's under 90 minutes. It's it's quick. There you go. Yeah, get it over with. If you're going to hate watch something, make sure it's, it's very quick. Mm. There's a friend of mine that's joking that they should do there's an Andy Warhol movie from 19, I think 1968 called uh, Empire. Oh. And it's just 12 hours of real time footage of the Empire State Building. Oh my God. It's just, it's just a locked camera po- pointing at the tip of the Empire State Building for 12 hours. So you'll see clouds go by. My friend was like, we should do that movie minute by minute. That's a long, it's a long time. It would get pretty esoteric. Yeah, I was going to say, long e- way to go for a joke. Yeah, even even if you did like an episode every day of the week, that would still take a long time. <laughs> yeah, years, years and yeah. years. Do you uh, do you remember the first time you saw Tron? Uh, vaguely, uh, I I believe I watched it. Uh, I I believe I watched it. You know, around. 2009 2008 okay yeah i i always kind of considered myself very into uh disney movies and then uh, you know that that leads to looking into well what's the ones that nobody talks about what's the ones that aren't you know aladdin or lady and the tramp or sure the typical ones and so uh that was one of the ones that i found and i I love the idea of it right away. As soon as I I heard what it was and I saw the cover, I was like, oh, my God, yes, like computer programs as people. Uh, And the look of it is just so just weird enough to be interesting where I was just like, yeah, I I need to see this movie. Uh, So I I believe that's that's around the time I saw it, because I I know that I was excited leading up into Tron Legacy, which was what, 2011, 2010? Yeah. Yeah, and I know I didn't watch Tron because of Tron Legacy. I know I saw Tron before that, so it's okay. It's definitely yeah, because I, I, I think that's that's one of those things where uh, I think Tron Legacy came out and that led to a lot of people being reinterested in Tron. Yeah, I wanted to. It's probably a like a large section of the populace saw Legacy first and then went back to see the original. But I but I definitely remember seeing Tron just for the the curio factor it was like oh this is a weird thing that disney did yeah disney did some strange some strange ones and some forgettable Mm. ones like i like their sort of like family horror genre that was in like (laughs) the early 80s like watcher in the woods and the black hole and something wicked this way this way comes they were like uh this is legit (laughs) their live action output is so strange in you know through like the 60s and 70s yeah Uh, yeah really i love really strange um, stuff the the TV uh, network TCM, uh, they'll they'll do uh, like a Disney night like once a month, but they show. Um, I I saw on there uh, this movie called Candle Shoe, and the plot of Candle that. Shoe. Yeah, it's like um, a young Jodie Foster is like an orphan, and she's being told to to lie and say that she is the heir to this mansion that has treasure in it. Oh my gosh. It's it's a fantastic movie, like, it's, but it's 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 extremely weird. Yeah, that sounds very strange. Yeah, I, I think they did a lot. It's until they did uh, they made Touchstone, 
mm-hmm. and that's when they started to be able to put out movies that weren't uh hybrid like the first one they put out was splash oh, okay. and that was that was that was funded by disney and distributed by disney but it was through touchstone mm-hmm. and so it was like oh okay now we can put out more we don't have to make adult films that are somehow kind of geared towards kids as well yeah resulting in this strange hybrid yeah I, and I think that's the the other interesting thing with Tron is that you know Disney's name is all over it, but it is kind of the brainchild of of the director. Yeah, it's a hundred percent the passion project of the director. Like Disney just sort of put up the money. Yeah, and they were and like they were involved in the creative process, but it really doesn't have that sort of Disney f- film feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's such a unique. I see a unique creature this movie but in this minute 22 let's go over what happens in minute 22 here mm-hmm. so we've got dr laura baines flynn and alan continue talking and flynn reveals that the evidence of his ownership of the video game properties lies in encom and that's what he was doing hacking and hunting in there yeah I, I I want to talk about this low couch. Have you talked about this low couch yet? We have. I think we've just mentioned it in passing because he flops down. And the minute before this, he flops down on the couch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and the minute uh, before, you get a real good look at his apartment. And he's like, are you... Like he flops down and then further and further and further. And it's like, are you just flopping down on the floor? Like it's a like it's a collection of futons, I think. Mm-hmm. What was your what was your take on it? I I just don't. This can't be comfortable. No, no. <laughs> uh, this and it feels like something from. Um, I mean, I know this movie came out what eighty two, eighty two. Yeah, it feels like a like a sixty seventies kind of thing. Like it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't even fit into this kind of aesthetic of his place. No, there's uh, and that goes for uh, a lot of the fashions in here as well. Like mm-hmm. there's we talk about. We talked at Bithouse, like decades bleed yeah. into each other. Like the 70s didn't stop until 1984, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like the 80s didn't stop until 1993. So there's yeah, this huh. there's this layover of two to three years that happens. Like even the 50s went pretty deep into the 60s. Like when we think of the 60s, we're thinking of like 68, 69, yeah. you know. And, uh, but you get, yeah, so there's all these like, wide collars and brown suits downstairs in in the arcade and even Mm -hmm. the executives themselves are like wearing some 70s stuff but you're right the decor here is also very very 60s uh the african masks on the walls the low couch it's almost like a conversation pit like you'd have oh yeah you could be having a fondue in there or something (laughs) well and then even behind the couch there is I mean, I guess it's a lamp. It it looks like one of those, you know, old hair dryers, like a a a a, a chrome sphere. Yeah. yeah, that silver sphere light, very very popular light in its day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it I I I kind of look at this, you know, this corner of his apartment, and I I think this, you know, this is uh, he needs to update this corner. <laughs> yeah, sure for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know if decor is like, it's weird because he's obviously spent a lot of time making this look exactly the way he wants it to look. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's also like, like he just, like it's been abandoned for 10 years. You know, yes. it's got this, you know. <laughs> um, but I I also appreciate you have it in your, in your little um, uh, screenshot that, that, that you've provided with the episode notes. You can see um, he has a, a, like a customized neon light of a recognizer. It's such a sweet 
little neon recognizer. It's seven or eight inches high. It's just up against the wall there. Yeah. I hope they made a dozen of those and gave them to the crew or something. <laughs> like if that's the only one, I'd love to have one of those. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's one of those items that that uh, you know. Sometimes they ask in interviews, actors like, "Oh, did you take anything home? <laughs> did yeah. you did you keep anything from wardrobe?" And yeah. sometimes they don't want to say, and other times they're like, "Oh, yeah, I definitely took home my entire outfit." Yeah, you know, for I sure. hope someone for grabbed sure. that. You get that specific laser pistol you had in that movie or something. I remember that would be pretty tempting, but I could mm-hmm. also see how the production would be like, "Not a chance." Yeah, I we think we made we made three of them, and they were a thousand dollars each. So you yeah. cannot just go home with it. <laughs> I believe Mark Hamill has gone on the record that he took home a lightsaber. Yeah, no, but no. Uh, there, I be, I think he said there was like seven, and you know, because they broke as as the the filming went on. But I believe sure, he said sure. he took one home. Yeah, yeah. So you got your that's... stunt, your your hero shot sa- hero shot sabers, and your stunt sabers, and the like. That can take some damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I know I, I want to mention this. Uh, I know we, we, we don't really see the arcade here. No. In this minute, but it is this apartment is above the arcade. Yeah. And one of my um, great joys in life was that I was able to go to uh, Disney's California Adventure, the the theme park across the way from Disneyland. Excellent. Uh, when they had the um, replica. Tron Flynn's Arcade. They had Flynn's Arcade Wonderful, wonderful, excellent. Yeah, you're not the first guest that I've had on here that got to go to that, and it just sounds amazing. It was really, really cool. (laughs) I, um... I mean, I I don't think they went as far as to try and recreate the window up in the <laughs> up higher so that you could pretend like his apartment was there, but it was it was definitely a a, a very interesting uh, and unique experience that they went as far as to the layout of it was was exactly like the movie. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, the previous guest was uh, there during New Year's Eve. Wow! And they did a huge. Uh, light show and all this all this stuff as well as the regular they had the Catron characters walking around yeah. and they had the guys Zeus from Legacy. Oh yeah. The bar owner Zeus from Legacy came out. It was all like Happy New Year's just <laughs> just sounded it sounded incredible. That sounded does sound incredible. Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. I wish I could have gone. That I would have had the time of my life. That would have been a lot of fun. I don't even know what they did because they it was in a little area. I've gone back since and and um that area, they don't even let you in anymore. Oh. It's like kind of a off to the side. But for a little bit after they were doing, they had the Tron Legacy. They had like a dance party, they called it. Yeah. And then for a, a little bit, they were trying to make it like a, because I think after like a year or so after that, the Alice in Wonderland movie came out. Right. Their, right, their right, Tim Burton right. one. Yeah. So they kind of tried to turn it into a mad tea party. And I think. They still kind of had the arcade there, but it wasn't Tron themed. And then now I don't know what they've done with all those uh, arcade machines. They had so many different games in there. Yeah, well, there's always collectors and enthusiasts around. There's a brisk business in the vintage video arcade yeah. video arcade game cabinets by studio by enthusiasts mm-hmm. and hobbyists all over the world. Uh, let's see here. So, so. So Flynn's talking a little bit about another software engineer, not so young, not so bright, but very sneaky, Ed Dillinger. This is where we get the idea that Ed Dillinger came in and uh, took Flynn's stuff. 
But I I was sort of thinking that in the cutthroat world of business that Ed Dillinger has seen the writing on the wall. I'm kind of gifting him with a backstory mm. here, but but bright young people are coming in and marking themselves for meteoric rises, air quotes, meteoric rises. And Ed Edward or Eddie, I can't see anybody ever calling him Eddie. He's just got to be Ed or just Dillinger, I guess. Yeah. But he's still hanging out in middle management somewhere, or maybe even on one of the bottom rungs, and he's not rising. Like, he's made connections, and he's impressed some higher-ups, but he has no trophy to bring to the table, no talent to fuel this rise to the top that he wants. And he knows that his only option might be subterfuge, theft. And so in one way, I can sort of kind of see it, even if I can't condone it. It seems like maybe this was a desperate grab on Ed Dillinger's part to just try to go somewhere. And he just totally stole Flynn's stuff. And Flynn, but Flynn was up to a little shenanigans anyway. Well, I I think also uh, there there is an element of that. I think uh, it, it kind of implied throughout the film, but but just because of, of the way that it's mentioned in this minute is that Dillinger saw Flynn as a direct threat. Sure, yeah. Whether or not he thought, you know, Flynn's work was the best or amazing or anything, he went, I have to get rid of this guy. He will be a threat to me and my way of doing business or something. Yeah, it could be. Like, I imagine it, that at that point that Dillinger, at that point, like, it, I got the impression that at that point Dillinger and Flynn weren't, like, on the same had the same rank in the company. Like they were both yeah. both coders on the floor or something like that. Like Dillinger might have been like a pit boss or or a supervisor, but but still kind of pretty much in the same room. So uh but I don't yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm just kind of gifting Dillinger with a, a sympathy <laughs> for the devil kind of way. Because nineteen eighty nineteen eighty two wasn't full American psycho in terms of those executives, but it was yeah. coming up strong. Like it was right around the corner. So maybe he was just a, so maybe Dillard is just a hundred percent awful person. Who's just, he's pretty, <laughs> he's not super layered in this movie. Like he's played no. very, very well, but he's not, he's definitely the bad guy in the villain. The, the weird thing is uh, Sark almost has more layers than Dillinger. Yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. Dillinger has a little bit of subtext going on, especially when the tables turn. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sark, I love I love that scene where Sark gets told that he's going to go up against a user, and mm-hmm. he's just like, what, what, what? A user? Like, he's just, <laughs> suddenly he's just like, you see this fear. It was great. I loved it. I loved that moment. I loved that moment. Then, uh, Flynn talks about how he goes in late at night and calls on his special saved file and it's gone. And I'm, it's not really clear what happens after that. Like if he gets fired or if he, or if he quits, but he can't raise any alarms about the theft, I guess, because what he's doing is illegal in the first place. Well, yeah, I, I think he mentions at one point in the film that um, Dillinger is the one who fires. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Which which makes sense because if Dillinger rises in the ranks, then he would have the pull and the ability to fire him. But but I also yeah the way that he talks about what he's what um that Flynn talks about what Flynn is doing at this company he's using their computers to make his games. Yeah, he even says I was this close to my own little enterprise. Well, well, that... yeah, it, 
which um, I I think don't don't most companies nowadays like even uh, the Disney company who you know funded this movie have have a have a thing where you know if any of their artists or creators make something on their time, it belongs to Disney. Yeah, I'm a computer animator for video games, and that is a standard clause in all of the all of the companies that I've worked for. They're yeah. like, uh, yeah, if you even come up with anything, it's ours. And also, if you if you start coming up with anything, let us know immediately so that we can yeah. vet it, and so we can all be on the same page. Otherwise, otherwise you'll be in really big trouble because mm-hmm. that brings down the wrath of the top brass kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's like a whole other thing, whole other thing. Like if one of your employees suddenly creates the next Tetris and you didn't know anything about it, like trouble abounds immediately. So. So they're very, very wary of having that happen because I think of exactly this. Like, I'm not even sure if it was illegal at the time this movie was made because they were still writing the laws about what kind of things you can and can't do with computer games. But, uh, yeah, mm. that, that definitely what was happening in this movie. The result of what Flynn did is why there's no compete non non-competition clauses or no compete clauses yeah. where you mm-hmm. can't create like a computer program with the industry that you're in but what what i one thing that i will say about flynn's games the one that we see the ones that we see in in the film they're good games it's i i think it is rare for um a movie about video games to show a video game that makes any sense or is any could be any fun to play yeah well he says he says well this is really this leads us into the next minute because I like how Dillinger Flynn says Dillinger presents Encom with five video games mm-hmm. and he didn't even change the names and Jeff Bridges yeah. with the, again with that great delivery the slime didn't even change the names man like he's very <laughs> the, the dude comes out again but the complete mm-hmm. list of video games that we've seen so far taking the neon signs into account uh, are Space Paranoids Vice Squad Astro Gunner Matrix Blaster, Code Wars, The End, and Intruder. And that's seven games. Mm. So maybe a couple more have come out from Incom in the meantime. Or maybe those are just fictional games because they couldn't get licenses for any of the other games. But there is there is a neon sign for Berserk Mm. that I saw up there. And that is that is a real an actual video game. Well, and then of course, uh, famously, uh, at, in in the the computer system, there's a a point where Sark is looking at a board, yeah. where Pac Man is on the screen, and you hear the Pac Man noises. Yeah, it's uh, it was described at the time as an Easter egg, but it's yeah. plainly it's like oh, that's not an Easter egg. And also, how did I not notice it? Because I saw it when it came out in 1982. Mm-hmm. But then I watched it again later, and I was like, what? I read that you could see Pac-Man in that scene, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta see this." So I rented it, and I was like, "How did I miss that?" It's like right there. Yeah, <laughs> like even the sound. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh yeah, do you play a lot of video games? Uh, yeah, not not as much as I used to, but I I'm I definitely uh kind of keep up with like what's going on in games and. Uh, I'll I'll play you know if something really catches my eye yeah I'll I'll sit down and play it but I I feel like I can't you know when I was younger it was like yes every game I have to play it right away uh, sure. now I can kind of like uh, I can come and go yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And also I, I don't have as much time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if the, if the game's like over a hundred hours of gameplay, I'm like, well, that's, I, I don't have time to watch a movie. Yeah. You know, I don't, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, space paranoids is a great name. And like some whatever you know bit of gameplay that we get to see of it, like it it looks like it would be fun, and I think that makes sense because they you know um, they have you know Tron arcade cabinets where you can play kind of some of the games from the movie. Yeah, and they're it's fun. I've played it at some Tron arcade cabinets, and I'm like, this is great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There yeah. was uh, what was there? There was four different kinds of games inside the Tron game. There was light cycle, light cycle. Uh, the disc that was a fun one. The disc throwing lore and uh, yeah, and the one with the grid bugs the coming tank. towards you, and the tank. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. I gotta fire yeah. that up. I gotta find a copy of that and play it again. That was a <laughs> that was a good game. It outs it made more money than the movie. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I think that was one of the first inklings of how powerful the games industry was. Like I remember when the first the second Iron Man movie came out. And mm-hmm. it came out in the same weekend as uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 came out. Oh. And, and Iron Man 2 didn't do very well. And a lot of people accredit that to the fact that the movie was not as good as the first one. But mm-hmm. I credit it to the fact that a lot of people were at home playing GTA 4. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like I think yeah, it really... I... Like, video games are still to this day, well, not to this day, but they're sort of seen uh, by older people as in the shadows, as this little thing. Mm-hmm. But the profits from video games just eclipse Hollywood by a wide, 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 wide margin. Well, so. I mean, that's coming up in the in the dialogue here in this minute. Yeah. Flynn, Flynn says kids are putting 8 million quarters a week into the Paranoids machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't do the math on that, but that's that seems like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I guess what like two million dollars. Yeah, so that's like two million dollars yeah. a week, which is quite quite a bit. Like they were talking, like this other minute, this guy he installed, uh, he used to around and collect the coins from the video games, mm. and there'd be a big change bucket that he would take out. So he'd put one in a laundromat or something, and he would take the change bucket out, and the owner of the laundromat would be like, "Wow, you must be making like." like a hundred dollars a week and he was like mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah but it was pulling out like like five hundred dollars a day from like <laughs> yeah. this from this machine nobody knew like nobody knew the money was rolling in for a while there in obscene mm-hmm. waves yeah because you even have to think of like uh what you know what's his overhead like what is he paying like for the the space how many machines does he have there how much does the electricity cost but it's still and does two, he yeah. two million does he That's rent crazy. the games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is he able to... I mean, he probably can repair the machines himself. He seems, you know, to, like he would... Pretty handy. Yeah, if he he has that that base of knowledge. Yeah. But yeah. And I wonder, like, I guess I guess he's talking nationwide. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes way more sense. I don't know sense. if he's... Because he says, you know, Encom's getting rich. Mm-hmm. And I'm just getting by on what I can manage to scrape out of this place. Mm-hmm. But business seems to be booming there, so it seems like he's making quite a lot of quite a lot of money out of that place. If if the numbers there check out, because if yeah. it's all if it's always that busy, then 
but he's got a good thing going there. But the video game boom was only like three years long. So maybe Flynn sees the big picture and he knows that this has a fuse on it, has a timer on it. Yeah. And maybe it's just the principle. Like, it's just the principle of the thing. Somebody stole his stuff. So he wants to set that right. That's his. Oh, of course. Yeah. Even though even though he's a little morally gray, it seems like he still mm-hmm. has a, he still has that. And then we get uh, one of my favorite lines of the movie is is Alan, ever the smart one, says, I still don't see why you want to break into the system. And Flynn explodes because, <laughs> man, somewhere in one of those memories is the evidence. So it's so Jeff Bridges. It's, it's so the dude is so naturally charming. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Yeah. You know, it's so good. There's a little bit about the the Berserk video game. Did some research into the Berserk video game, mm-hmm. and there's a, a it was put out by Stern Electronics of Chicago in 1980, but it also came out in 1982 on the Atari 2600, which is why oh. it's in this movie because there's other Atari games in the background. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that there's no Atari logo sign in the background, huh? Because there's lots of Atari games, and if they had the license for Atari games, you'd think they'd have an Atari that Atari logo neon sign somewhere. Like 1982, Blade Runner also came out just a few Mm -hmm. weeks after this, and they had that wall-sized Atari logo on the side of that building in Blade Runner. Yeah. So they were advertising a lot, but yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know why they didn't do that. Well, let's see here. In the director's commentary, they mentioned uh, that Bruce took a while to get into it, but Jeff was all in from the get-go. And that Bruce... uh, I could kind of tell from from you know just from these few minutes, uh, the performance of Bruce Boxleitner. He's, he's very like subdued. He he doesn't seem very sure of the character, uh, which I think is a weird contrast because in you know you'll get to in other minutes the Tron character I think is very strong. Yeah, very much so. And it's strange because it's kind of like. Uh, almost comes across like a Clark Kent Superman kind of a thing. Or like, I think there's a few people that have been on the show that haven't really realized, like when they first saw the movie as a child or when they first saw the movie in a long time, mm. they didn't realize that it was the same act. Oh, wow. They thought that Dr. Laura Baines and Yori were two different actors. They thought that Tron and Alan Bradley were two different actors. They got that Flynn and, uh, that flit well he gets wholeheartedly sucked into the machine yeah. so that we do see clue like, for a minute we see clue for uh, a minute at one point yeah there's a lot about his delivery that's very very clearly jeff bridges but i think because dr laura baines has you know this this mane of blonde hair mm-hmm. and glasses and in the game she's got no glasses and a helmet mm-hmm. and the same with Alan Bradley, he's got a helmet on, his hair is all covered, and he's not wearing glasses. So, yeah, lots of people, They, the second or third viewing, they're like, wait a second, those that's the same actor, which which I was really like surprised to hear that. That, that is surprising, because I think even uh, in those in those moments, there is a moment where um, when Flynn is in the game and he sees Tron, he says, Alan? Like, he recognizes him. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, part, yeah, of, yeah. That's that's part right. of how he recognizes. You know, that's part of how he goes, oh, this is, I need to, I can befriend this program because yeah. they were made by my friend. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Like, oh, okay, this has the mark of my friend on yeah. it. This is this isn't actually my. Which friend. that I mean, I'm sure you you'll you get into it in those minutes, but that it leads to a lot of questions. A ton <laughs> of questions. Yeah, like is is every single program that a person makes made in their image, or yeah. is it just like their their first one, or is it one that they put a lot of their heart into? Like, how much you know is science, and how much is magic? It's, it's, yeah really yeah weird. yeah like they talk a little bit about in uh just like a few minutes from now there's a philosophical debate but he talks about how you put a piece of yourself into every program that you write yeah and that's what this is supposed to reflect i'm like well every program <laughs> yeah. like every program like if i like three lines of basic is that going to be a program like a super limited, not too bright program that looks exactly like me walking around <laughs> in cyberspace there? And like, and do they only last as long? Like, if you delete your program, does that delete the program in the uh, in cyber world? I guess that would make yeah. sense. But yeah, <laughs> it's just I is there fifty is there fifty Alan Bradleys walking around inside? Yeah, or is how many? I know Flynn made Clue, but like all the games that he made, is there a little him in each of the games? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that 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 touches more into the um, Wreck It Ralph section, but of yeah. Disney lore. <laughs> yeah, like I wonder if is the Light Cycle game program? It's a game you can play, but is it also personified? Yeah, like you can. Like you get into your light bikes in the arena, but mm -hmm. are, is also the light cycles a game just walking or, around as a person? Yeah, or or is there? I mean, obviously they have programs writing the light cycles, but if there were no programs, is there some kind of computer program that looks like the person who made the light cycle game? Sure. Yeah, like as an NPC or whatever, just as walking. A, yeah, it's good. It's good to think about this stuff, and I love. I love thinking about it, you know, because it's really I, once you once you open it up, once you look under the hood, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I I think I also um, I personally enjoy movies where they can pull off this idea of of an actor playing two roles. And, yeah. and even in in the sense of, of Tron, where it is two different worlds uh, and you get kind of two performances out of the same actor. And sometimes they're linked and sometimes they're not. But yeah. I, I I like that a lot because you can see you can see more of an actor's range, and you can see you where they're actually getting to have fun, like yeah. uh, like we said. I think Sark has more layers than Dillinger just because David Warner is like, oh, I'm a computer program. I'll be a little, I'll amp it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He goes full cartoon as Sark, mm -hmm. yeah. whereas the executive he has to be a little restrained. Yeah. Yeah, you can see that. I like that. I like that challenge of seeing an actor play two roles because I think it really shows you what they're like, like yeah. or how talented they are. Like there was that movie, a series of short black and white. I think it was called Coffee and Cigarettes. Might oh, have sure. been Coffee and Cigarettes. But mm -hmm. uh, there's a bit with Kate Blanchett, and Kate Blanchett is playing. Uh, she's a rich, talented, beautiful, successful. I think actress or something and she's in town visiting her model her muddled hate-filled possibly drug-addicted twin sister mm. and they're just having a short conversation 
but very, very quickly, you stop thinking that it's the same actor. Yeah. Like she's playing both parts, but almost immediately you're like, oh, 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 that's two different people because she's so, so good at, at acting. And I think yeah. it's I think it's a real testament to an actor's talent when they can play. You see it a lot. You see that you see them play twins a lot. Yeah, that one that one I'm not always into because um, the the one for some reason, the one I'm thinking of that I really didn't like that they did that recently was. Um, did you ever see that movie? Now you see me. No, I never I never did. Yeah. So it, it's about magicians. And in the second one, there's a sequel, which is just called Now You See Me Too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they give they give well, they Woody could, Harrelson. They, could, they yeah. couldn't have called it Now You Don't. Yeah, of course. Because that, that would have been box office suicide. Yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson uh, plays a character in the first one. And they, he comes back for the second one. And they reveal that he has a twin in the second one. Oh. And his twin is is uh, has a slightly different hairstyle than him right. and is like kind of evil somehow but not isn't like the main villain he just right. comes in to screw up their plans and it's just kind of like well, this was just woody harrelson wanted more money like <laughs> this is all this yeah was. yeah <laughs> there was no point to having it be a twin and there was no point to any of that i but that's where i think it, the way that tron does it is that it's two separate worlds that are linked yeah. by these actors and these performances yeah yeah it's really good. There's another. Uh, there's a television show called Orphan Black. Oh, sure, yeah. And that was about a series about a series of clones that mm-hmm. had somehow gotten out into the wild and mm-hmm. were living their own lives. And then one would then one clone tweaks to this and starts to trap the other clones down. So it's like one actor and she's playing. I think she ends up playing seven or eight versions of herself over the course yeah. of a couple seasons there, and she's really good, really mm-hmm. good. So yeah. But it's like, if you can set it up so it's different worlds, like in Tron, that's yeah. really cool. Like, I can't think of too many movies that do that, actually. Uh, I mean, the only other one I can think of off the top of my head is Wizard of Oz, and they don't really do too much with it, besides no. um, the witch, uh, the Wicked Witch, and what was her name? She she was like the mean neighbor lady. Oh, yeah, I forget the character's name, but yeah, but she was the mean neighbor lady. I guess the whole crew was like the wizard was the traveling fortune teller. Yeah. Well, and then her her farmhand cousins, friends, whatever they were, they yeah. they were you know the lion and the scarecrow and yeah, yeah. This is very Wizard of Oz. The mm. way Flynn gets whisked off to the computer world. Yeah. That commentary that com- that comparison comes up a lot in the the wake the making of books that I've mm. read. What was it, Bruce? Steven Lisberger talks about how Bruce was supposed to be like a Kirk Douglas type. Yeah. And, uh, and he sort of, he sort of likes the way that Bruce Boxleitner looks now, like the way Mm -hmm. he looks today. Like he says, that's kind of what he wanted. uh, That's what he wanted Alan to be like. And he wanted Mm -hmm. Flynn to be sort of geekier or thinner or a little more frail kind of thing. So he's just like a like a programmer that got screwed over kind of guy in a sort of typical, more cliche, quote unquote, nerdy, nerdy way. That's but, that is interesting that that that's what the director says he wanted. And yet he cast, you know, well, it was, was scheduling windows, you know, yeah. and also Jeff at that time. He had the only star power, the only movie before this that had cast a young up and comer was uh mary poppins for disney mm-hmm. 
like uh yeah like the only sort of disney movie that had done that was uh was mary poppins and so i and so they got him and they're like oh oh we, well we got him we got him he's into it oh okay he's flynn now <laughs> and steven lisberg is like uh i don't know and it's like no nope nope this is who you're using so i guess i think it was the same with alan like alan said no sorry bruce boxleitner said no but then they came back and it just and then when they put them in the costumes, they're exactly the same height, and they have mm. very similar physiques. They're like, "Oh no, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I had in mind." But you have to go with it when you're making a movie. You just have to go mm. with it. I, I, because I think that's the other um, really strange thing about Tron, is that Jeff Bridges is not Tron. The character Tron, yeah, is Bruce Boxleitner. And yet yeah. Jeff Bridges is the one on the cover, you know, the, the, that Star Wars esque pose where he's holding up the, um, his disc and, uh, and has Yori next to him. It's like, oh. it's very, yeah. Is that Jeff Bridges on the cover? Oh, I thought that was I, Bruce. It's hard to tell. I was pretty sure. Sh- I think when yeah. the first artwork came out, it was just random program, I think before they yeah. had, before they'd cast anybody, it was just a guy in one of those suits. I'll have to take a closer look. I think they put his face on him. <laughs> I think that's yeah. They might have, they might have. Yeah. But it is something that's very interesting because I always, I'm always, I'm always a little confused by that as well. Like the name, the actual name of the title character, mm-hmm. isn't isn't the title character. Isn't 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 one that ended up being the main character of the film. Like Flynn is very much arguably the main character oh, of the film. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I I get it. They couldn't name the movie after his program. Because that's yeah. clue. That, that's yeah. That wasn't gonna work. No, no, that wouldn't work at all. No. I bet and, you that and, before, but Peter O'Toole really wanted to play Tron. Oh, that's interesting. He like campaigned. He like campaigned for it. He said like he wanted, he wanted Tron on his tombstone right next to Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. Said. Yeah. But huh. they they kindly offered him the part of Dillinger, but he didn't want it. So. He was really into playing Tron, but hmm. uh, no, they were like, no, I don't see it. And he was like, I don't know. I think he came with a lot of problems because he was a fairly legendary oh. alcoholic. I think I, like he I, was famous for I wrecking know, I also hotel f- rooms. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. No, I feel like uh, especially when you when I think of actors who kind of want to be on the cutting edge of film, I don't. I never would think of Peter O'Toole. Like no, that, that feels a, like that was a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked though. No, no, I don't think it would have worked. That would have been a whole different movie. Very strange movie. He's got those mm. eyes, so those eyes would have looked cool, but in the computer world. But... Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I like to go over the differences a little bit between the screenplay and the novel. Okay. To the movie in the novel, the screenplay is pretty much the same because this is just the the screenplay is pretty much word for word. But it's mentioned in the novel that Alan's distrust of Flynn evaporates in part because of Doctor Laura Baines's trust in Flynn. Like he sees mm. Laura trusting him, and like, and he's like, okay, these are not bizarre claims. He's on the level. He t- he's telling the truth, and that's uh, that's what I like that his in the screenplay in the novel. 
Laura Baines is the weather vane for everybody. She's the one that spurs the action. She's sort of she's the one that everybody looks to to mm. to get a read on what's happening. And I think that's really I don't know. It's really nice. I like that. That that is I I kind of like that idea that she's she's kind of like the connection between a lot of different characters because she it's it's I mean it's her and um and the other the other guy, the doctor. Yeah, Dr. Walter Gibbs. It? Yeah, Dr. That's Walter right. Gibbs. It's their creation that bridges the human world and the computer world. Yeah, so yeah. So she kind of acts as like a bridge in two ways. That's a really good point. Yeah, she's the thing that they all have in common. She's the bridge that sort of, that brings, like she doesn't have a connection to Dillinger, but everybody else she has a connection to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because Dr. Walter Gibbs and Flynn and Alan Bradley, like, they they don't hang out, right? <laughs> yeah. They don't even know each other. Mm-hmm. One thing I like is that the line, the line in the novel and the screenplay, because somewhere in one of those memories is the evidence. And that's so easy to see any actor raising an eyebrow and saying to the camera, because somewhere in there, in one of those memories, is the evidence. But then, but then you know, in the hands of Jeff Bridges, it's like because man, somewhere in one of those memories is the evidence, and I think that's that's the magic of Jeff Bridges right there because mm-hmm. I can totally see just like everybody reading that line in a very flat, you know, daily TV show mystery soap opera flat way, yeah, right? hitting hit, hitting the word memories, right? Yeah, and then. Jeff Bridges delivery he memories is just part of the whole sentence because he's a you know he's a programmer like the word like memories computer memories that's not the important word in the sentence to him very yeah. much so yeah. I like that it's so natural because none of them had any idea what the heck they were talking about <laughs> yeah and they had to like deliver it with passion and intensity and they had to be like well just get in there he strikes me as somebody who just like gets in there well they all did they all do they, they all really brought it together and brought their A game well, I think that takes us up about to the end of minute 22 there. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Well, tell us, where can people find you if they want to hear more of you? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Dunstan checks men, of course. Uh, you can get <laughs> it on... <laughs> All those on your, pun uh, names, I love it. Yeah, on your favorite podcast app of choice, uh, or go to uh, benviewnetwork.com slash Dunstan. And Dunstan is spelled with a U. It's D-U-N-S-T-O-N. Uh, I think a lot of people think it's spelled differently. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then I do some other podcasts as well. I do a show called Nothing New, a remake podcast, where uh, myself and my co-host talk about uh, film remakes uh, and the movie that they're kind of based on. Uh, that's that's also part of the Benview Network, uh, my podcast network, uh, benviewnetwork.com slash nothing new. Uh, and then another show that I do is myself and five friends get together uh, and talk about movies that are on our list. It's called It's On My List. Uh, you can find that at itsonmylistpod.com. Uh, so we, we it's kind of talking about movies that people say you should see, and then we actually watch them and see if they're worth watching. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm uh, Podcaster Andrew. I love it. That's such a good, uh, good idea because I like – I know a lot of movies like that that you're like, God, I've, I've heard about this movie for 20 years and I've never seen it. Yeah. And you watch it and you're like, 
Awesome. That's pretty cool. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at TrotologicallySpeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at TrotologicallySpeaking. Send us an email at TrotologicallySpeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Trotologically Speaking Minute by Minute Listeners page. Thanks to Pond5 for the opening and closing music. And as always, special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. It probably is. There's like 150 right now. But if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. I find it to be a very inclusive and encouraging community. Do you want to try a little end of line on three? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Just, just say end of line? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One two three end End of of line. line